Hello, everybody. Tim the Hulk Burkala here with another episode of Multiplex Loves Movies. This is episode number two, and tonight I've got a uh, larger panel than I did last week to talk about Quentin Tarantino movies in honor of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood coming out this weekend. Um, so like I said, I've got a big panel here. Um, why don't we go around and introduce ourselves, starting with Mr. Jim Green. Uh, yeah, introductions are always fun. Um, this is my first time being on this show because it's two weeks old. So, uh, but not my first time talking about movies with uh, the good brother Tim. Uh, and what better movies to talk about than uh, the Quentin Tarantino films because they are amazing and awesome. And I'm just ready and excited to talk about them and ready to see his ninth film this week. Uh, you know, so I'm just ready, 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 ready. Yeah, absolutely. And then, uh, Sean, why don't you... I've actually never been on a call with you or talked to you like ah. ever beyond the chat for this. So, um, you a big Tarantino fan? A little bit. Um, <laughs> some might say pathologically obsessed. Um, that's probably a fair assessment. Like, I feel like anytime Quentin Tarantino gets brought up in, in a general call, I feel like that moment where... Meg touches the thermostat and family guy. Peter just runs into the room. and goes, who touched the thermostat? <laughs> so that's kind of the way that I am with it. And I know that both Jim and Caleb know their shit about Tarantino. So th I think this is going to be a lot of fun. And Jim, it's a pleasure to meet you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And little Bo Boatman, how you doing over there? Oh, I'm doing good. I, I love me some Tarantino. Uh, I, I like a lot of his movies. Uh, they are good. Yes, they are good. Um, there's only like one, one and a half of his movies that I don't really like, and we'll get into that. Um, but basically the way the show is going to work is uh, we're just some guys sitting on a couch talking about movies. That's kind of the gist of the show. We want you to be part of the conversation. So if you're watching live, go in the live chat. If we say something that you think is dumb, tell us we're dumb. If you say something or if we say something that's uh, absolutely spectacular, feel free to uh, bow at our beautiful feet. So, um, that being said, the way we're going, normally we just talk about a certain set of, um, of movies. We'll talk about, like last week, we talked about Lion King. Um, next week, we're only going to talk about a couple Fast and Furious movies before Hobbs and Shaw. But tonight, we are going to talk about all the Tarantino movies, just kind of more like his career as a director. Um, he's directed eight films. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood will be his ninth. Um, so we're going to kind of split them up that way. Talk about the first four, the beginning of his career, and then the second half will be uh, you know, his other four films uh, and the later half of his career. So starting off, he directed Reservoir Dogs. Comes out of the gate with Reservoir Dogs. Do we like Reservoir Dogs? I love this movie. Yeah, Reservoir Dogs, like it, it's like a classic for the reason it kind of sets up everything that Tarantino does best. It's kind of like, the I don't want to say stereotypical, but it's kind of like really what you think of when you think of Tarantino movie. You think of the suits, you think of the violence, you think of the you know the pop culture discussions. It's really the entire blueprint for the rest of his work. Was this the first Tarantino movie that you guys saw? Because it wasn't for me. It wasn't my first Tarantino Definitely movie. Definitely was not. No, no, not even a close. Yeah, my, my first was Inglorious Bastards, and that's kind of where oh. I found him. And then um, I went back, and this, this probably actually was maybe like the third or fourth one that I saw. Um, but I remember vividly watching it the first time. I 
it was on Netflix, and I just watched it and was like, oh, shit, this is real Netflix. good. Yeah. Yeah, Netflix. I know. Yeah, Crazy. I'll, now, I'll now, now I am on Blu-ray. You what? Uh, I didn't see it until it was on Netflix uh, either. Yeah. No, yeah. oh, I was giving my computer. I was getting computer aids watching watching Tarantino. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Understood, understood. Sean, how do you feel about Reservoir Dogs? I love Reservoir Dogs. Um, it, I think Paul Paul touched on it when when you guys were uh, discussing directors. Uh, at one point, and he said, "Schmodown yeah. uh, movie trivia, Schmodown champion, Polyama." Yeah, movie yeah. trivia, Schmodown of the world, Polyama. Yeah, we talked about that on that your list. Sucks. Yeah. By the way, congrats, champ. Um, yeah, it, Reservoir Dogs is sort of like uh, as where, much like Paul said, a lot of the dialogue, the characters can wind up sounding quite a lot like one another. Reservoir Dogs is probably the one where every character has their own individual voice. And it doesn't just sound like it's it's sort of the same problem that you you have with Sorkin films. Uh, a lot of Sorkin films, everyone sounds the same. But yeah, yeah. As, in terms of like fleshed out characters, everyone's unique uh, in Reservoir Dogs, and I think it's fucking fantastic. The my my favorite thing about this movie is like um, Boatman brought up the violence, and he knows the perfect. Uh, ways to use violence and that even goes on through like I watched Django Unchained today and there's moments of that movie where like he could have gone over the top with the violence but he chooses not before he goes to over show... the top with the violence the well ex exactly that like the violence is always over the top but he chooses the right moments so for instance like I don't think we actually see the ear getting cut off and no, yeah, yeah that's what I think because the dogs this violence is like so perfect because you have the ear cutting off, and then you have when um, when Tim Roth gets shot, and it's like you don't actually see the like over the top like bloody violence where it's just like psh, psh. that's the thing. It's very realistic violence, and it's but it's like super violent, but it's in a realistic way, which is why I think like Reservoir Dogs kind of has the best violence because he didn't go Tarantino-y, where it's just like super super over the top violence. Yeah, and I do then. Wanna Oh, go I want to point out uh, that Reservoir Dogs is my favorite Tarantino line ever. Okay. If you shoot me in a dream, you better wake up and apologize. I love that. I, I, well, actually, it's the that you you have the right movie, but you have the wrong line, and it's the part where he goes, "Buddy, I'm gonna shoot you in the face if you don't put your hands up on that." <laughs> that's that's the best line. That's the best line. Such like a cop line, and it's so perfect. Well, and like Sean was saying, just all of his dialogue, just like all the characters are so well fleshed out. Just that opening scene, they're in a diner alone, just like the camera, the camera spinning around. It's mm -hmm. it's so fucking perfect. Like he just is like right tell. out of the gate. He's great. And I do want to point out about that diner scene. Uh, it's kind of like a foreshadowing in a sense, because who rats out Mr. Pink for not tipping? Tim Roth. It's yeah. Tim Roth, Mr. Orange, who is revealed to be the rat. Tim Roth. Spoilers. That subtle kind of spoiler alert, Boatman. Yeah. We're 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 gonna no, we're gonna spoil pretty much. If it, like if if you're here and watching, we're gonna spoil a lot of Tarantino. Yeah, if you haven't seen Reservoir Dogs yet, what are you doing with your life? We implore you to go and watch it. So moving on then, um, his next film is Pulp Fiction, which is kind of the one that everybody, like if you think of Tarantino, I feel like the first words are Pulp Fiction. Um, I saw this movie in high school 
And it was one of those movies where like I start when I started becoming like a film fan, people were like, oh, you got to watch Pulp Fiction. You got to watch Pulp Fiction. And I watched it and liked it. But I gravitate to his other movies more. Like I do enjoy the movie, but I've only seen it twice and I never really have a desire to pop it in. Whereas like Reservoir Dogs or Inglorious Bastards or Django, I always want to pop in. So I don't know how you guys feel about Pulp Fiction, but that's my take. It's my favorite. <laughs> okay. All right. Why do you love it so much? Uh, well, I mean, for many of the reasons that we love his other films so much, the violence is tremendous. The dialogue is fucking pitch perfect. You know, weirdly enough, though, it's actually not as violent as people make it out to be. Because I remember growing up, when I, I remember growing up, people would always tell me that Pulp Fiction was an insanely violent film, and it, realistically, you don't actually see all that much. It's mainly just a lot of people just talking. I mean, probably the most violent thing you see is, oh man, I just shot Marvin in the fucking face. <laughs> that's like that's probably about it. Which, by and the way. Yeah. And One of the funny. You don't see Marvin get shot in the face. You see, no, all you see just, yeah. All, all you see is just the splat, the splatter of you know yeah. his head on the back windshield. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, yeah. I do oh, love I, the. I do love all of the different stories coming together and like all the performances are, like you fun. said, pitch perfect. All the performances are absolutely great. There's, I don't think there's a bad one in here. Um, I especially am fond of the uh, Bruce Willis story. I think that one's probably my favorite um i just like that part of the story what about you jim what do you like about this movie uh this was actually the second slash third because i saw both the kill bills first like okay. randomly randomly one i mean this was before uh commercial internet really took off so like i saw i saw kill bill like randomly one night on the like on stars like that was my first. I, I saw it and I was like, "This is the greatest movie ever made." Uh, and then, and then I saw Kill Bill uh, Volume Two, and then like happenstance, like one night, uh, I think some I saw a reference to Pulp Fiction on like another TV show, and it was like, so I was like, "What's Pulp Fiction?" I was like, "Wait, the guy that made Kill Bill made Pulp Fiction." So I'm like, "I need to see this." So whenever I saw it come up on like. A movie channel I saw it and I was like okay this is this is really awesome because like Uma Thurman's there and then um yeah so you have some of the same like people from Kill Bill in it so I was like oh okay this is kind of awesome and I didn't really grasp because you know internet like we couldn't I couldn't just like google it and stuff yet um so yeah I saw it and the it had just especially compared to Kill Bill like again he didn't take off into that Tarantino ultra violence yet, whereas the violence was really grounded and kind of more realistic. So yeah, and then you know, just Sam Jackson in it is incredible. Honey Bunny is awesome. Yeah, just the whole the whole rush. I think those are my favorite scenes. Is like the beginning and the end in the the restaurant with Tim Roth and um, Amanda Plummer and uh, you know Sam Jackson being Sam Jackson in that movie is just the best. Absolutely. Um, we've got some people in the chat. Um, Jonathan Peck asks, are we going to talk about true romance, natural born killers? Someone on the multiplex account, I think is speaking for me. That's not me though. Um, we are only discussing his directed films. Um, I've actually, 
I've never seen True Romance, which I know is like blasphemous. I know people love that movie. I've never seen it. Um, but we are just only going to talk about um, his movies. So, um, I will tell you. On, oh, go ahead. When you, when you do watch True Romance, I can already tell you what your favorite part of it's probably going to be. Just remember the word Drexel. <laughs> okay, sounds good. I will just watch remember it. the uh, location uh, Ambassador Hotel. Am I right, Sean? Fuck off, Jim. <laughs> All right. Anyway, moving on. We're going to go on to a movie that um, Jim has apparently <gasps> never seen. You claim to be such a big fan, Jim, yet you've never seen this film. No, we're, uh, we're going to talk about Jackie Brown. This is the only Tarantino film I don't like. And it's not because it's anything, there's anything outwardly bad about it. It just didn't connect with me. I saw it once, didn't care for it. And that was that. What about you guys? It's only adapted film. He uh, didn't just like, it's just not straight from his mind. It's adapted from a, a book, I think. An Elmore so, yeah. Leonard novel. Yeah. Rum Punch. Yes. Yeah. Uh, do you, Sean, oh, how do you, you you're, you're a huge, you're a huge Tarantino fan. How do you feel about I'm, the movie? I'm a, I'm a very big fan of Jackie Brown. Um, I think Pam Greer's performance in it was fucking tremendous. Um, Michael Keaton is one of the few times you really get to see him, you know, post Batman, like before he had like kind of like the big renaissance and whatnot. But uh, not just that, like uh, Robert Forrester, his performance as Max Cherry is tremendous. The the scene with uh, at the very beginning when she's just going down that uh, walking run that uh that moving uh, 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 floor. Uh, the conveyor floor. belt. Yeah, conveyor belt. At the, at the airport. Yeah, Where? when it's, 100 and, it's 110th Street that's playing. It's like, to me, that's like one of the best openings to a Tarantino movie because all it is is it's just, it's just her basically standing completely still. But there's something so engaging and gravitating about that performance. I think, I think it's absolutely amazing. Plus... Yeah. You know, Sam Jackson is Ordell, uh, Ordell Roby, Chris, uh, Chris Tucker, the brief moment he has at Beaumont Livingston. Friggin I and the dialogue, once again, is like pitch perfect. It's it is definitely one of my favorite Tarantino movies. And on the right day, I enjoy it just about as much as any other. And it doesn't. There's a lot of the same tropes that you'd find in other Tarantino movies, but it's definitely the least violent of any of his films. Yeah, for sure. Question, without it, question. It just, I guess I might just need to give it a rewatch because um, I saw the first time I saw it was, it was the last one I had to see. Um, uh, it was the one I missed. I feel like it's the one people forget about the most, uh, maybe even more than death proof. And um, I saw it. Yeah. Like two, three years ago. And like I said, it just didn't connect with me, but maybe I do just need to give it a rewatch. And I might enjoy it more. Boatman. How do you feel about the movie? Uh, I really love Jackie Brown. Um, I think everything Sean mentioned is part of why I love it, but I want to shout out Robert De Niro in one of my favorite ever from him as Lewis. I think he is fantastic. It's a completely different uh, De Niro. He really, like, doesn't, like, it's not like he, De Niro doesn't care, but the character just doesn't care. It's, like, such a unenthusiastic character in that like i love this scene with him and samuel L. jackson where it's like where's melanie well yeah about that i uh, i shot melanie uh, you shot melanie i love that scene so much um, well, also that scene is great and i love i love the the mall heist 
when you get to see it from all three different perspectives, you get to see it uh, from the perspectives of, you get to see it from Jackie's perspective, Max Cherry's perspective, and Ordell's perspective. I want to say the three. Yeah, and uh, that entire sequence is fantastic, seeing it from all those three points of view, and, uh, how Jackie kind of pulls the wool over everybody's eyes. It's really great. And yeah, I think Jackie is probably like a super underrated character in terms of uh, Tarantino, like uh, Laura, I think, because she does, unlike the, you know, the bride or a lot of other Tarantino characters, she never has to, to kill anybody. She does it all with up here. Her entire plan is up here rather than, you know, just through violence, which not to say anything against the violence, because that's why we love Tarantino, but it's refreshing to see uh, a character who doesn't have to do that and is able to win through the day in a Tarantino movie. Well, maybe that's part of the reason why, you know, it didn't hit with me was I was expecting it to be, you know, a violent over-the-top Tarantino movie and it wasn't and so I was taken a little off guard so um, maybe me and Jim we, maybe you and I can watch it together Jim and we can experience it because you said you've never seen it right yeah I haven't also, seen it either so uh, movie time with Tim is never I'm never gonna say no to movie time with Tim remember when you and I saw Hellboy together Jim uh, not really because I slept through most of it but ah, yeah. yeah vaguely and the okay. seats sucked so my back hurt uh, seats I'm did old. suck that was that was rough, but anyway, okay. So we are going to move on to the uh, fourth film from Tarantino, kind of the kind of the movie, the capper of like the beginning of his career that kind of like really announced him. Like if Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs hadn't done it, this was the one, and um, and that's Kill Bill. And for all intents and purposes, we'll talk about it as one movie. I do have a couple things to say about part two specifically. Um, but I think that Kill Bill is really, really, really great. It's in my top tier. But I do think that the second half, meaning part two, isn't as good as part one. I love part one. I think part one is fantastic. I think part one is perfect. Love it. And part two is good. It just doesn't live up to part one as much for me. And I think that has a lot to do with the last like 30 minutes of part one are absolutely insane. Um, so if you put separation between them, like you watch part one and then like a week later watch part two, I don't think part two holds up as much, but as a whole combined, if you watch the whole bloody affair at once, it's an absolutely amazing movie. Jim, I know that this, you, like you said, I'm pretty sure this is your favorite, right? Yes, it is definitely my favorite because it is the first, the first one I saw. So it was like my first brush with that, like, ultra violence and that's where you know that's where tarantino like took off with the like super ultra violence of of what he was doing like whereas like as we know tarantino now that's where it kind of started was the mega violence of the bride and the crazy 88 and i i just personally loved it because it was it was like that the the how the showdown at the house of the blue leaves was like nothing i'd ever seen because you have like the you know that that song i have no idea what it's called but the like with the walking up of oren and her like main crew and then like you have the the uh what is it the five six seven eights i think they're called is like they and then it's just switches from that song to them and then it's it's just so much perfect and uh especially um you know you have you have that out of chronological like 
Tarantino it stuff where it's like she you see her with um Vernita Green and then you go back and yeah, it's just I could I could do this whole hour on Kill Bill. Like there's just I think my favorite moments from this movie are the um just the parts with Hanzo where it's just like, you know, where at first she's just like, oh, I, I kind of know how to speak Japanese. I'm learning, but am I good? And he's like, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, she starts speaking Japanese and, you know, she, you're like, oh, shit, stuff's about to happen. And it's just it's just incredible. I love it. Somebody else could talk about it now because I'm uh, before I explode. On that <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sean, why don't we go to you next? I fucking love Kill Bill Volumes 1 and 2. I'm actually with you in the fact that I like Volume 1 better than I like Volume 2. I'd agree um, with that. Like, it's... I'm, I'm, I'm a really big fan of setup. And the setup in Kill Bill Volume 1, if you're not going to, like, have the perfect payoff for it, which in a lot of ways it is, but there's, there's stuff that kind of bogs down Volume 2, where Volume 1 to me is, like, fucking amazing. And speaking uh, to one thing Jim mentioned, all the stuff with Hanzo is so dope. Like, to me, one of the most badass lines in that movie is, I need Japanese steel. It's like, oh, You must yeah. have big rats if you need that type of Hanzo's steel. Yeah. Just the delivery uh, is so perfect, too. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. Oh, like, I, I friggin', I love all that stuff. Um, the fight between her and L Driver in Volume 2 as well is one of my favorite favorite fights in movie history. I don't think it's as good as her fight with Oren and the crazy 88, but it's damn, it's damn close to it. And Gordon Liu as Pai Mei in volume two is fucking awesome. Oh, he's great. Um, yeah, yeah, speaking I'm, I'm, of, yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, speaking of um, in the comments right now, we've got a lot of people excited about Kill Bill. So, um, We've got Nazario saying Kill Bill as one film. It's the best thing ever. Um, my wife, Maggie, is in the comments. She's saying the she's macaw. only seen it once. The Macaw, yes. Um, and it wasn't her first Tarantino. Um, Douglas Castle is actually saying that the ending of Volume 2 is his favorite ending Tarantino's ever done. Um, Nazario is also saying Volume 2 over Volume 1. He's also a setup guy, but come on, pie. Yeah, so, you know, they're talking, they like Kill Bill. They like Kill Bill. So, um, Boatman, you haven't said anything yet. How do you feel about Kill Bill? Yeah, I, I love Kill Bill too. Uh, I'm in the minority here, though, because I actually prefer Volume 2 to Volume 1. Okay, so um, you're with the Nazario and the Douglas Castle camp here. Yeah, I, I, am, I am in uh, half of good company. I'm kidding. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but no, uh, seriously, uh, yeah, I, I love kill. I love both the parts, but to me, kill bill two volume two is so much more like character focused. And I really love that. I love the kind of exploration of the bride's backs where I love, uh, the stuff with bud and L driver. I think that stuff's all really great. And I love the, the showdown with her and, and bill. I think that stuff works really well in my opinion. And I love Bill's monologue about Peter Parker and Batman and Superman. And I think it's honestly the the best argument I've ever heard for why Superman is an interesting character uh, because I've never been a Superman fan, but that kind of monologue kind of was like, okay, so now I kind of see more of the, the appeal of, of Superman as a character. But yeah, I love that entire scene. And I, I, I think I really do like Kill Bill 1, but... 
like the action it's great but having it one after the other like so much of it in such a block of time there's not a lot of room to like breathe there's not a lot of resting time it's just do 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 and it gets it gets a little tiring to where like after the crazy 88 fight you go on to where she fights Lucy Liu's character uh Arenishi and it's great but i wish there would have just been a little bit of a rest in between or something to where cuz i feel like that fight scene loses its effect just a little bit because it's right after the crazy 88 see i i disagree i love the the Lucy Liu fight right after. I think that's. I think it complements the fight right before it really, really well. And I love the way the part one ends too. It's like I, I think it's fantastic. I I think that that whole last like 30, 40 minutes all complements each other really, really well. But uh, again, it seems like uh, we all are a fan of Kill Bill in one way or the other, whether it's first or second. Jim having the time of his life no it's okay you're good you're good my friend all right so we're gonna move on so that's kind of the first half of his career um we in my opinion three hits and one that's other people seem to like i'm just not there but oh, that's okay. I, I missed i completely missed it uh jackie brown has the fun joke in um the first neighbors where they're like who are you I'm Sam Jackson from Jackie Brown. And then they start doing the, you, he's like, you talking to me? That's the wrong movie, you assholes. I just, I, yeah. Neighbors is I do not remember that. That is a funny movie, but I don't remember that at all. But anyway, um, let's move on. The second half of his career, he's got four more movies. The first one is released in a bit of a unconventional way, and that movie is Death Proof. Um, and it was released alongside Robert Rodriguez's Planet Terror. One of his BFFs. Yeah, in a movie called Grindhouse. Um, I actually really like Grindhouse as a whole experiment type thing. Um, I saw it in the theater and loved it. I love all the little stuff they add in there, like the fake trailers and the fake film, like cutting out and coming back in. And you're just like missed like 20 minutes of Planet Terror, but they keep it going anyway. I think that's all really, really fun and cool. Death Proof as a movie alone, though... Other than Jackie Brown is probably my least favorite movie. Jim, are you okay? Uh, uh, apparently, Sex in the City is very funny, um, but I, I'm fine. Uh, uh, I personally, me personally, I am fine. Uh, and uh, uh, admission, admission time. This is the other one I haven't seen. I haven't seen Grindhouse. I know, I know a lot about it. But yeah, this is the other one that I have not seen. Uh, unlike uh, Sex in the City, which Jordan has uh, apparently seen and is very hilarious right now. Very funny. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I think Death Proof is probably the better of the two Grindhouse movies as a whole. Like as the way films are like the film itself is made better, it's acted better, it's written better than Planet Terror. Um, but I just I thought it was fine. I don't love it. Um, how do you guys feel about a Boatman? What do you think? I mean, it's Tarantino trying to make a 70s exploitation movie, and that's exactly what it is. It's Tarantino is doing exactly what he sent out to do. Um, you know, those 70s kind of, you know, exploitation movies aren't as much kind of my, my bag, but it's probably if I have to, like, watch one, I'll kind of watch the Tarantino version of it. So I do... I do like it for what it is, but 
It's definitely the one I rewatched the least. Sure. Uh, before we go over to Sean's thoughts, um, we've got other people in the chat. Nazario, again, he's saying Death Proof is better than Planet Terror. Agreed. Um, Maggie is saying the macaw is saying that anything that Kurt Russell touches is perfect. Um, and Nazario agrees with you as well. Rodriguez did a spoof of a 70s exploitation one film. Tarantino just made a good exploitation film. Um, I would tend to agree with that a little bit, but um, like Boatman said, I never go to revisit this movie. Um, but I do agree with Maggie that everything that Kurt Russell touches is gold. So, uh, Sean, what do you think about Death Proof? I was going to say, your wife's a smart woman. So, uh, <laughs> everything Kurt Russell does touch turns to gold. Um, Boatman literally, I, I couldn't have said it any better. Uh, it is just, it's Tarantino making an, a 70s exploitation film. It's what he set out to do, and it's exactly what he did. I mean, if you if you view it from that lens, it's kind of a perfect film. But, you know, it, once again, it is the one that I visit, uh, revisit least out of all his movies. But, yeah. It's like, I, I have nothing to add. Boatman hit every single point that was absolutely pitch perfect. So. Yeah, absolutely. And so, I, I, yeah, and I would happen to agree with you guys. I just... Uh, it's the one that we revisit the least because, you know, it, it is, it's kind of the weird outlier of all of his films. Uh, but it's still a great, I think it's still great. It's just, I, I just, it's meh. Like, I don't know. It's a weird thing because it is written really well and it's, per, it, the performances are really good. It's just kind of there. Uh, but that being said, his next film, the one that is my favorite in Glorious Bastards, and I don't know if it's because it was the first one I saw or what, but Probably. I absolutely love this movie. Um, I didn't get to see it in the theaters, but I saw it right when it came out. Uh, me and my dad rented it and watched it together, had a blast. Um, and I've always had that fond memory of watching that movie with him. But then just even going back and revisiting it, every time I revisit it, I just like, it's one of those things where I remember like, oh yeah, this movie is fucking awesome just like at every moment every scene the dialogue is so perfect from every character in this movie and just the, the places the movie goes the way he messes with history is absolutely fantastic i love this movie someone go i don't care who all right well i'll, I'll go uh, <laughs> this is my favorite tarantino movie uh ever this is not only my favorite tarantino movie this is my top five of all time I love this movie like a lot. Uh, there, there are so many things. I feel like you know the obvious stuff is like Christoph Waltz, but like my favorite Tarantino scene ever is in this movie, and it's not the opening; it's the pub scene. It's when it's Michael Fassbender in the, in the pub in in the basement. German uh, three, the yeah, with the, the German three, three glasses, glass, but just the build up to it with uh, the the then I must be King Kong then and all of that but the tension the the build up the shootout it, that entire sequence is great I love that Tarantino is able to like do a third of that movie with subtitles you're <laughs> not even a third I feel like it's more it's like more than that 65 70 percent it's most of it yeah, well and this is the, this is also the first time I think that like Daniel Brule 
has like at least that I was like, who is this person? Yeah. Like he's so good in this movie, and that's the thing is, and same thing with Michael Fassbender. The scene you brought up is absolutely my favorite part of the movie, but he does such a good job of picking these actors um, and throwing them in there and just giving them these perfect moments and knows how to make them shine. We also get uh, former movie trivia showdown of the world. Uh, Sam Levine is in this movie. Yeah, yeah, there was a was that a question in the speed round of Irwin, Ethan Irwin versus Bib? No, no, Irwin versus Roca. That was Roca, and then they neither of them answered, and Sam Levine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, was that was, was the not ha none of this. Yeah. Oh, good stuff. Uh, Sean, how do you feel about Inglorious Bastards? I love Inglorious Bastards. The the opening scene, which I thank Boatman for allowing me to touch on this a little bit. That is one of the most tense, nerve-wracking scenes in film history. And at the end of it, it's shot almost as though it's like a horror movie, which is absolutely the perfect thing to do, you know, given the, uh, given the subject matter. Uh, the performance by uh, Christoph Waltz is genius, absolutely genius. And the, uh, the farmer, Miss uh, Pierre Lapadite, his performance is unbelievable as well. Um, a little fun fact about uh, this movie, Tarantino originally had it written where it was too long to be a film, and him being the egomaniac that he is, he just goes, am I too big for film now? <laughs> and it's like, no, no, you fucking moron. <laughs> wow. Uh, but yeah. Sean going hard. Between... <laughs> but between that the bar scene, which is fantastic. And maybe the most, one of, if not the most iconic scenes, the scene with Sergeant Donnie Donowitz, where it's him clacking the bat off the ground, walking out yeah. to kill the German soldier. And he just looks at him and he just goes, you get that for killing Jews? He's like, no, for bravery. And then he just bashes his head in. Oh, and, yeah. and Sam Levine has one of my favorite lines in that whole movie. When that happens, he just looks at the two German soldiers that are sitting down. And he just goes like, "I'd be shitting my pants if I was you right now." <laughs> it's it's awesome. The the dialogue's pitch perfect. In fact, Tarantino did half of it in the you know in multiple different languages, and just the fact that it's like almost every single performance in that movie is just spot on. And once again, dialogue, everything, you know, same yeah, same it, thing as always. I, I listened just, to the AMA for this today. <laughs> actually uh and, and they were touching on things like um the one thing about like what's so great about waltz and, and, and that beginning scene is just like how he's so like controlling the situation to where he's like and it's so creepy in the way that he's doing it where he's like uh you're a farmer yes so I sh i'll try i'll have your finest milk and he's like controlling the situation and then it gets re like really tense when he's like since there's, I hear no ruffling under the floorboards, I can assume that they don't speak the light. And it's like, oh my God, this shit is so intense. Yeah, it's one of my, it's one of my favorites. I've, I, it's probably, I've only seen it like once or twice, but it's so good that I, that I that's the one I wanted to rewatch before doing this. I just didn't have the time to, but out of, but it's just, it's just an incredible movie. And especially like the way he changes like history and it's like, uh he changes history but who doesn't want to just see hitler get destroyed like that so it's it's awesome yeah. it's just Absolutely. a great movie that's probably the only movie that's like 
70% subtitles that I'll be just be like, yeah, that's like one of my favorite movies. I, I'll yeah. just, I just love reading the subtitles. Casually it. pop that one in for sure. Um, <laughs> so going to the chat on Inglorious Bastards, people love this movie. Um, Nazi scalps. Um, the Hans uh, opening, the pub scene, the cinema. Nazario loves the film. Eli Roth and the baseball bat. Um, Jonathan Peck coming in with some trivia. He said, fun fact, did you know that Tarantino's first choice of Donnie is Adam Sandler, but Adam had to turn it down to do funny people? Um, I don't know how true that is. Why not? I believe he's probably I, – I, I have no reason to not believe him. He also said that um, Tarantino's first choice for Archie was Simon Pegg. I could see that. Yeah. I don't know. It's, 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 I mean, like, not my first choice, but I could see it. Um, fun, fun fact about Archie Hickox. He's actually a uh, relative of Pete Hickox from the Hateful Eight. Oh, there you go, because uh, supposedly all his movies are connected, correct? Exactly. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so uh, Donnie Donowitz is uh, Lee Donowitz's grandfather from True Romance. Oh, Jesus. Well, I've never seen that. So anyway, uh, we will move on to <laughs> his seventh film. Um, I This is the one I actually rewatched uh, for this today because um, it's Django Unchained. When I saw this movie in the theater, um, I was absolutely blown away Um because it was still around that time where I wasn't a hundred percent sure like about Tarantino and like what all of his, I hadn't seen all of his movies yet. And I went and saw it because my best friend in high school was like, Oh man, you're going to love it. It's going to be great. You're going to love it. It's going to be, we'll go see it. It'll be fantastic. It's like the day after Christmas, we go and see this movie together in the theater. And I was absolutely blown away. I've, it's probably the Tarantino movie I've seen the most. Um, and that is further solidified today. Like I rewatched it and it, it's just perfect. I think that Waltz is actually even better in this movie than he is in Inglorious Bastards, which is saying a lot. Um, he won the Oscar for this, right? He won both, yeah, right? Bastards and this. Yeah, okay. Um, and so, yeah, no, just absolutely fantastic from start to finish. I think that the the final, like, 20 minutes or so does slow down a little bit, um, but it doesn't detract from the overall movie. I, I love Love Django Unchained, Sean. I believe this is your second. It's one of your favorites, right? It's my second favorite Tarantino film. Um, we talk a lot about um, the way that Tarantino uses violence, and one thing that he discussed was there is horrific violence and cathartic violence, and you get both of those in this. It's also uh, it's a further exploration of his fascination with revenge, because Kill Bill is a revenge film. Inglorious Bastards is a revenge film, and this is a revenge film. And I absolutely love that. The hero's journey, uh, the fact that it's not purely motivated by revenge, it's mo motivated by the fact that Django loves Brumhilda. Yeah. That, that is an added wrinkle. Where it's like, uh, in Spaghetti Westerns, you talk about, like, the hero. The, the hero is almost never really the hero. They're just an, they're an anti-hero that's basically just a foil to the villain. They're sure. they're only so, so much a hero as the villain is just an absolute scumbag. But I actually agree with you about Dr. King Schultz. Um, I think I think he's absolute. He's one of my favorite, if not my favorite, Tarantino character of all time. Because he's, he's so kind of a, he, he's oh. like the good version of of. Um, 
Um, Wanda. Yeah. So he, it's like it, Waltz is kind of playing the same character, but not evil. Which is, which is, they were like, okay, here's your here's your, here's another Oscar. Go ahead, take that. Like, yeah, but oh, he's so, but he's so good at the just like this is like the dialogue of Tarantino at its finest, in my opinion. Like, I feel like he does such a good job of writing for Waltz and specifically Mm -hmm. this character, like all of his little um, mannerisms that he has and all of just like the, the the way that he talks to not only Django, but just like everybody in general, just like, I think he's a fantastic character. Boatman, you've been so, actually, hang on, Sean, you, you looked like you needed to say something. Also, can we just, talk about how funny the bag scene is. Oh, it's really funny. <laughs> it oh, is really God. funny. I have never laughed so hard in a theater. Did anybody bring an extra bag? No, no one brought an extra bag. Look, I think we, we all, all agree that it was a nice idea. <laughs> oh, but God. this time, no bags. But next time, bags. And we're going to do it right that time. We're going to do it right this time. No, we're bringing the goddamn bags. It's great. It's a it's a raid. If I can't see shit, you can't see shit. <laughs> uh, oh. Bowman, you don't seem too impressed by Django Unchained. Oh no, I like Django Unchained. Classic <laughs> Boatman. I I will say, I think this is his most epic film. Like in terms of scale, and it, it feels like his most like epic and large. And there, there's something very like almost like classical about its scope and but i will say that i i do think it's just it's a little long i feel like it could have been the pacing just feels a little bit off for me could have been shortened a little bit but that's really my only complaint uh it's still a great film i liked it more i've rewatched it a couple days ago and i liked it more on rewatch actually uh yeah. so uh i actually really enjoyed it more uh, DiCaprio is great, but I think really, to me, the standout is Samuel L. Jackson in this. Oh, movie. it's Steven. He's, he's, oh, really, yeah. really good. he's diabolical. He is <laughs> he's- so diabolical as really the power behind the throne. Uh, that scene where he realizes what's actually going on, and then he is trying to get uh calvin to like come back with him it's like everything he is honestly my favorite part of that movie is it, it, is I think, it a hot take to say that leo should have won his oscar for oh i agree it's so he's so good in this wasn't even nominated no i don't think so um yeah. the moment where you see leo for the first time as calvin uh calvin candy um it's that Monsieur scene, Candy. Monsieur Candy to you. Um, that that scene is probably the most. I don't even know what word to use. I think just the most. Uh, like, I, I don't know what word to use. But I just remember sitting in the theater. They walk into the room and they see that they're having the fight, um, and it it's it's insane. Everything, just the way that he shoots the fight, you're so uncomfortable, but you're also just, like, in awe at, like, this guy, Leo, who's normally playing characters that you're, like, rooting for and a great guy, and he's just this despicable human being. Um, And the way that he just, like, talks, and you know, before you meet him, that he's kind of, like, a pompous prick, that he doesn't actually speak French, don't speak French to him. Um, So, I just... Yeah, I just think he's 
a fantastic character. Um, other than Schultz, he's probably my favorite, but I also am a little biased. I love Leonardo DiCaprio. He's one of my favorite actors. So um, I think it's a, it's a fantastic movie all around. We can all agree. Oh yeah. All right. So let's move on to his eighth and final film that we've seen so far. Um, actually quick, uh, I'll get the chat's thoughts on Django Unchained. Um, Nazario says it's his second favorite. Um, he's also asking, can Sean confirm if Paula Schultz is the wife of King Schultz? Uh, I don't think that's actually been confirmed anywhere. It's just like no. the heavily relied on theory. Yeah, it is. So that's there. Um, and then Maggie said she's only seen it once, but it was the first one she ever saw. Um, uh, Doug is saying it deserves a rewatch. Um, Doug actually jumping the gun a little bit. Hateful Eight is so good, way better than people give it credit for. Um, Jonathan Peck jumping back in. Mr. Blonde's parole officer, Seymour from Reservoir Dogs, is related to Jack from Natural Born Killers. Again, I, I've never seen it, so I don't yeah. know. Um, Maggie said all of Tarantino's films are a little long, so uh, whatever. And um, yeah, love to hate. I think Nazario's talking about, oh yeah, about Calvin Candy. You love to hate him. Absolutely. Um, so again, moving on to Hateful Eight. Um, this is a movie that I was so pumped to see because of my reaction to Django. The fact that I thought he was doing another Western, I thought was interesting, um, considering all of his films had been so different up to this point. Um, I was still very interested to see it, obviously. I went and saw it uh, when they did like the road show, like the 70 millimeter road show. Um, so that's how me and Maggie saw it. And it was like, an extended version with like an intermission and um, extra um, musical stuff. So that was really cool. Um, I actually really, really like this movie. I think it's in my top. It's probably like my number like four, four or five. I really like it's, it's, I really like this movie a lot. Every time I watch this movie, I like it more and more. I completely agree with Nazario. I think it's really underrated and people don't give it enough credit. Um, I think it's an absolutely awesome film. Yeah, hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. I think I think you're spot on. I think you're spot on. It's it's definitely one of Tarantino's more underappreciated films. Um, it's an extremely self-contained film, and sort of the claustrophobia mm -hmm. of of the environment really really amplifies the tension. I find um, it's it's also probably I'd say top five for me. Like it's getting getting close to it, but it it is just a tremendous film. Samuel L. Jackson is awesome in yeah. this movie, and so is Walton Goggins. Yeah, every, and, I think everyone in this movie is absolutely fantastic. Uh, you even get the um, you get Kurt Russell again, turning this film into beautiful gold. Oh yeah, absolutely. Though the thing about Kurt Russell, oh god, I can't believe he did this. Oh, they, smashing the guitar. Oh, dude. I mean, as a guitar player, like that's like a hundred and forty year old Martin, man. You don't you don't do that. He thought it was a prop. Does everybody know what we're talking about? Yes, yes. He the guitar yeah. he smashes was so actually you, real you, and not a prop. Yeah, so if you don't know in the audience, there's a scene where um uh why am I uh, Jennifer Jason Lee's character is playing the guitar and uh Kurt Russell comes up, grabs the guitar, and I think in the script he was supposed to just grab it and then they were going to 
cut maybe and give him a new guitar. So they were going to do something. He wasn't supposed to smash it, but he smashes it. And so when Jennifer Jason Lee in the movie is like, Oh my God, no, that's completely genuine. That's a real reaction. Like a 140 year old, like priceless guitar. And he was, he oh, didn't know he thought it was a prop and he was just in the moment and smashed a priceless guitar, which is for Kurt Russell. I do think I, I like the twist of it to where you're because you kind of you know somebody's helping her, but it turns out like it's everybody except our like because like God, they kind of paint Goggins because he's like the the sheriff or whatever, so inherently he's racist. They're all racist, but whatever. Uh, yeah. And then so they they kind of paint like everybody is sketchy except for Russell and Jackson, and then it's like oh because they're all in on it except Goggins, who it turns out to be the actual good guy. Uh, and then also one of my favorite lines of it is just where you get Jackson, where it, it, the, it turns when you start to like, it turns from like who done it to where it just starts to fall apart where he's like, he's like, you said Millie left it to you and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, there used to be a sign right there that said no dogs or Mexicans. And she, she took it down only because she started letting in dogs. And then it like the whole, it just, that's the flip of the movie where it's like, yeah. it just goes to shit. And just his like, his classic like Samuel L. Jackson in a Tarantino movie delivery of that is like, is really great. Well, that whole speech, right? Because the, the intermission when I saw it cuts right at like that whole speech towards the middle of the movie where he's talking about the uh, Bruce Dern's son. Yeah. Um, that whole sequence, oh, that whole yeah. speech from him is insane. He's wild <laughs> yeah. in this movie. Every like, it, It's insane how dedicated he was. And speaking of being dedicated, uh, Maggie says we should forgive Kurt Russell because um, he was just dedicated to his role. He didn't mean to smash the guitar. Completely understandable. Um, Jonathan Peck coming in saying the original score was Italian composer. Um I, I can't American. pronounce his name, but he won, he won the Oscar, right? Yeah, um, yeah anyone won for that movie. Yeah, it was his first complete Western score in 34 years and his first for a high-profile Hollywood production since 2000. So that's a bit of a cool nugget of information there. But he won – he was still alive when he won the Oscar, though, right? Or was it post – no, I, he's still alive, I think. Is he still alive? Okay, I thought he passed away for some yeah, reason. Yeah, I remember him accepting it. Um, yeah, I know. It was, it was, but it's a fantastic score. Um, Owen, how do you feel about the film? Yeah, I, I really enjoy it. Uh, I love the movie a lot. Uh, speaking of the score, which is fantastic, any more Coney actually used some of his like unused music from The Thing in this movie. Oh, um, that's cool. Yeah, which if you actually look at like a lot of Hateful Eight, uh, Tarantino has even said like it was inspired a lot by the thing. Like there are lots of kind of parallels within the the paranoia of you know who's actually good, who's actually bad, and the kind of ambiguous ending uh, and all that. Like there there are some uh, references to the thing. It was very inspired by that. But I love this movie. Honestly, my my standout is Jennifer Jason Lee. I think she's yeah. the best part of this movie. Uh, she she's great. Uh, and then Channing Tatum not being anywhere <laughs> on the posters and then just showing up uh, three-fourths of the way through the movie is fantastic. But the entire cast is great. I don't look at, as much, look at it as much as like a Western, as much as I look at it as like an Agatha Christie-style whodunit. Like sure. I look at it more as a throwback to like that just with like 
a post-Civil War time period thing. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I definitely get that. Um, but do we have a Jim Hateful Eight? You've kind of talked about it a little bit in here. A little, uh, you you love this movie as well. Yeah, I like. I I would say it's probably off the top of my head. There, out of eight, it's probably in that four or five ish range. I, yeah. I mean, I haven't seen two of them, so that's but true. I, I I can't imagine liking Jackie Brown or um, Grindhouse more than more than Hateful Eight. But and the fun fact of this one was this is the one that almost didn't get made because yeah. like, the entire script got leaked online, and then Tarantino went all like that shit crazy about like how dare you put my blah 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 and then he like basically rewrote huge chunks of it and we actually got it and i was mad because i was like i wanted to see that movie so fucking bad but then yeah it finally got made so that was that was good has have any of you seen the like extended version that's on netflix right now that's, that's like episodes that's like episodes because it's like four and a half hours long i have not. Uh, it's not that long it's only i think it adds because the movie is like 245 theatrically um the version that i saw in theaters was just it was exactly three hours but again what i saw was like added intermission a big musical opening and ending and that is all in this netflix thing but there's also added footage so i think the total runtime is like 320 330 or something oh, that's like not that as bad. no it's not as bad but none of you have seen it because i i haven't i don't know i have not seen it either sean i have not seen it it's probably the it is the only thing Tarantino's done that I haven't seen yet. That yeah, so um, if you've seen it in the chat, um, let us know if we should watch it. Um, but that being said, uh, I already talked a little bit about what Jonathan had to say about the score. Uh, Maggie said I shouldn't assume people are dead, so I'll stop doing that. Um, and then, yeah, we will. Those are the eight films that he's made so far, but he has a ninth film coming out, guys, and it comes out on Friday. Um, and I would assume we're all seeing it this weekend. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, we're all seeing it this weekend. That's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Tarantino's ninth film. Um, it's starring Brad Pitt um, and Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, I've actually got a really cool thing to share. Um, I work at a movie theater in Wisconsin where I live. And um, I don't know if he's a star of the film because I haven't seen it yet, but the guy who plays Bruce Lee in the movie is coming to my theater Ooh. to watch the movie on Saturday. So I get that's, to meet him. That's cool. um, oh, yeah. Wow. He rented out a, he didn't even rent it out. He just like bought all of the <laughs> seats in the auditorium and then called the theater and said, hi, my name is this. I play Bruce Lee in the movie and we're coming on Saturday. Be ready for us. <laughs> and we were like, Okay, so um, that's going to be really cool. I'm excited for that. Um, but I'm just excited to see this movie because every piece of marketing I've seen for this thing, I just it makes me think I'm going to fucking love this. Um, exactly same for me. Yeah. Like, hi, are you like Jim's obviously excited as I am? Uh, Sean, how do you feel? You you seem to be the the biggest Tarantino expert we've got here. I'm I'm the biggest Tarantino whore, so I will go see anything that that man does. But I'm extremely excited. Apparently, Brad Pitt's incredible. That's awesome, though. Did you you said this coming Saturday you get to meet Mike Mo? Is that his name? Yes. Uh, so yeah. I believe yeah, That's this awesome. Saturday, um, the 27th. I believe he was also in Marvel's Inhumans show. Um, I don't know other beyond that. I don't know what else he's been in. Um, but yeah. 
that's what yeah that's the guy if he plays bruce lee in the movie that's who i'm meeting so that's that's cool um uh yeah i'm, I'm super, I'm hyped. super stoked. i'm freaking hyped that's it's it's everything i love in movies it's you know like 60s 70s cinema it's quentin tarantino it's brad pitt and friggin leo and mario robbie the cast I, is just ridiculous yeah. the, cast the cast is just ridiculously stacked yeah. Kurt, Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell's on the poster, and we have the poster up in the lobby of my theater. <laughs> and uh, Maggie has literally visited my theater every week for ever just since to, I worked just there. to see Kurt. No, she didn't know he was. And all of a sudden, she goes, "Wait a minute, Kurt Russell's on that poster." And I go, "Yeah, his name's on it too." And she goes, "He's in the movie." And I was like, "Yes!" And so now she's even more excited. Um, nice. Boatman, are you excited? Yeah, I am very, very excited for this. I think Tarantino has gotten uh, two, uh, or Leonardo and Brad Pitt, he's gotten like some of the best performances out of those two actors. So seeing them coming back to work with uh, Tarantino, I'm very excited for. And the entire rest of the cast looks great. It, it looks just incredibly epic. And I'm very, very excited, especially to see something of Tarantino's that will kind of it's I'm kind of hoping it will at least dialogue wise kind of harken back to more of maybe some pop culture discussions like we get in Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction and Kill Bill and Jackie Brown. Yeah, absolutely. Um, moving over to the chat and what they're saying about the film. Um, so Doug has his ticket for uh, Thursday, so he's excited. Um, Maggie didn't know that the uh, that the Bruce Lee guy was coming to my theater. Uh, she's excited about that. It'll be cool. Um, Nazario, unfortunately, the movie won't open uh, where he lives for another month, which is very sad. Uh, Maggie's posing an interesting question, though, which I like. Uh, this has been in the news a lot. Will Tarantino end up directing more than 10 movies? He said that he's not going to, that he's only going to direct 10 movies, and that's it. He has also said recently... Um, that he wants to do a Star Trek movie, and that's been in the news for a while. And he said that if he does that, oh, that doesn't count as his 10th movie because it's not an original film that's his. So he could do Star Trek, and then he could also do a 10th film. Do we think that he's going to get the itch to do more, that he'll quit after 10 and then be like, in 15 years, come back with, a, with an epic 11th film? What do we think? I think he will just... Make more stuff, but he'll loophole his way around it like he's doing with Star Trek. He'll just kind of say, well, this isn't technically in the canon, so I yeah, can... This isn't in the 10 Quentin Tarantino movies, so it's do it doesn't really count, but it's like, yeah. really. He has also I said that he wants to direct plays and TV, and I believe, I don't know exactly... Um, because I haven't seen the movie yet, but Rick Dalton apparently is in a Western show in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and that he wrote episodes of this fake show in the movie to give because of to Leo. Because, yeah, exactly. Because he, and he gave those scripts to Leo so that Leo could get into character and everything. And now he's saying he might actually make that show with Leo. So that could be cool. <laughs> Leo. He's technically, he's already loopholed his way if he's going to make another film after this. Because, like, With yes, most of us view Kill Bill as one, you know, giant story, and it's not two It's two films. 
Like, you made two movies, dude. You had to separate it out into <laughs> two halves. And now this is your 10th film. So, I mean, he he definitely doesn't see it that way. Because I think originally... He doesn't see it that way. But it's like, you know, if you're going to loophole yourself into, like, into making more movies, just shut up and make more movies. I think also, that, you know... If he does leave after 10, I'm going to be super fucking depressed. For like I think month. that 20 years ago, he probably said, oh, how cool would it be if I made 10 films? And then, you know, after that 10th film, I just retire. That would be so cool. And now that he's getting close to it, he's like, oh, fuck. And everybody, he's on this press yeah. tour for the movie. And everybody's like, Quentin, Quentin, what are you going to do after your 10th film? And he's like, uh, I, I, I don't know. I'm going to direct a, I'm going to make a TV show. I don't know. So we'll see what happens. Um, no matter what. If he's directing plays, TV, I'm sure people will watch it. Um, that's going to do it for us, though, guys, for this episode of Multiplex Loves Movies, talking about Quentin Tarantino. Next week, we are going to be talking about Fast and the Furious films. And that doesn't necessarily mean that um, everybody on that panel likes Fast and Furious. It just means that I that's what you. we're talking about. Uh, we'll, 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 we'll talk about that next week. Uh, but in honor of Hobbs and Shaw coming out, Next week, that is what we are talking about on the show. Next Tuesday night, same time, same channel, same bat channel. Um, Jim, we'll start with you. Where can the good people of the Multiplex universe follow you? Uh, if you're in the Multiplex group, you'll see me. If you want to add me, I probably will decline you because you're weird looking. Uh, and then other than that, I don't really have much presence elsewhere. Uh, except for that time that I lost in uh, the greatest fan league of all time movie trivia face-off because uh, uh, when was Homeward Bound released is a three-point question. All right. And Sean, where can people find you? You can find me at Sean period Sandberg at both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can find me any good place uh, that movie trivia is being played. You can find me with my team partner, Caleb Boatman, looking to – play against blockbuster video pretty soon so looking forward to that um yeah let's uh let's get let's get to that uh let's get to team 80s yeah all right and boatman what about you where can people find you i run movie warzone we had two matches go up yesterday one of them when i was in i played james white that was a good match uh and yeah uh check out all the stuff we got going on movie warzone and yeah sean uh let, let's get to team 80s let's uh let's do that and guys, you can find me here every Tuesday uh, hosting Multiplex Loves Movies. You can also find me everywhere else at Tim Loves Movies. That's kind of the shtick there. Next week, actually this weekend, you can find my review of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood on my channel at Tim Loves Movies. Go over there and subscribe so you can check out that review when it drops. But I'll be if you are it. new here, oh, thank you, thank you. But if you are new here to Multiplex, hit subscribe. Like this video, watch the other videos we're posting. Like Boatman said, two Warzone matches went up yesterday. Also, two fandom matches went up today. Fandom is a league that I help run with Kane McMillan and Caleb Coho. We're pumping out a lot of matches to get this tournament up, but there's a lot of really, really, really good matches um, coming out. So watch those tomorrow night. Your List Sucks, hosted by Cody Newberry. Go and watch that. That's going to be really, really fun as well. So lots of great content coming here at Multiplex Entertainment. So hit subscribe, hit that bell icon so you know every time we've got something coming out. But again, that has been Jim. That has been Sean. That has been Boatman. I have been Tim. Thanks so much for watching, guys. We'll see you next week.